0: So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Abel, on his part, also brought of the firstling of his flock of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering. But for Cain... And for his offering he had no regard. So Cain became very angry, and his countenance fell. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you. But you must master it. Cain told Abel his brother, and it came about when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? And he said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? He said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Now you are cursed from the ground which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. And when you cultivate the ground, it will no longer yield its strength to you. You will be a vagrant and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is too great for me to bear. Behold, you've driven me this day from the face of the ground, and from your face I will be hidden, and I will be a vagrant and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. So the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance will be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord appointed a sign for Cain, so that no one finding him would slay him. And then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. This story of... Cain and Abel sets the tone for all that will follow through the rest of the scriptures. Abel came to a point where he needed to say, yes, Lord, I will bring to you an abundant offering. While Cain Said, I'm not going to bring the Lord an abundant offering. I'm going to give a minimum. The Lord saw the abundance of the offering brought by Abel and received it gladly and blessed him. While for Cain, the Lord ignored his offering. He was not interested in a man who would turn aside and be stingy. So Cain became enraged, rose up against his brother and murdered him. so God confronts him and says, your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. And Cain goes to live east of Eden in the Hebrew meaning to a place of new beginnings, always beginning, always starting over over and over and over, never being able to settle down. And it was in Nod. Nod meaning a wanderer. So Cain is now a wanderer on the face of the earth. He's always starting over. He can never finish anything. He's never satisfied. He never has enough. He is no longer allowed to grow vegetables or fruit or any kind of produce from the garden. It will not produce for him because of his bloodshed. Now, What I want you to see today is that all through the scriptures we are constantly reading the account of men and women who face a decision. You remember Ruth and Orpha as they are beginning to go back with Naomi to Bethlehem, the house of bread, because she has heard that there is food in her land. The famine is over. And she urges both Orpha and Ruth to go back home to their own parents to live with their parents until another husband can be found for them. they both say, no, no, we will go with you. But in the end, Orpha, and the name Orpha means stiff-necked. The stiff-necked one went back to her god, her pagan gods and her pagan parents. While Ruth She made the decision to go back to Bethlehem, and God gave her Boaz. And she was in the direct line for King David, a woman much blessed. Now, we don't always recognize when we are at a turning point But all of us have been at many turning points where we had to make a decision, where we had to make a decision that perhaps did not even seem hard to make. Many times in my life, I've made the wrong decision. And the Lord had to step in and say, stop. And he did that sometimes in my spirit. And other times he did that in the lives of people where everything came to a screaming halt. And I was left wondering what's happening here. Why is this happening to me? Oh, God is saying You're on the wrong path, Ray. Stop. It's necessary that we be very conscious of the decisions we make and why we're making them. We all have hungers that rise in our soul. Loneliness causes a hunger for partnership, And so we see, I can resolve this by taking this action. This woman is interested in me. I'll, I'll go that direction. And the Lord says, no, stop. Or he lets us go forward and catastrophic failure is the result. Have you made conscious turning points in your life? We make countless decisions every day. Are you making those decisions out of the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life so that you are confident in what you are doing, in the house you're buying, in the person you're marrying? Are you confident in Jesus? about that car that you want to buy? Or is it all about you? Is it all about the hunger of your human heart going the direction that you want to go? Now, was Cain allowed to be stingy with God? Yes. And God just didn't bless it. The problem was he was not satisfied to leave it there. He was angry with his brother because his brother received a blessing. I don't know if it was fire falling from heaven that burned up the offering that Abel brought. And and for Cain, there was no fire. I don't know what it was. But it was very clearly indicated that Abel was blessed while Cain was left out in the cold because of his stinginess with God. So we look at this issue throughout the Bible. It happens time after time after time. But then we come to one story that deeply touches my heart. On the surface, it would not seem to be such an important story. But it is. Elijah is exhausted. He has been in an epic battle with wickedness with King Ahab and his evil wife, Jezebel. Fire came down from heaven before all of Israel, and they said, He is God, we will worship Him. And revival started. Well, one of the shortest revivals ever recorded. Jezebel put an end to that very quickly. She sent a message to Elijah I'm going to kill you like you have killed my prophets. And Elijah, at this point, was so exhausted with the work of God that all he could do was run. But I have great respect for what Elijah did because he did not run away like others in the scripture have done. He didn't run from Nineveh. like Jonah did. No, rather, he ran to God. He ran to the mountain of God, to the geographic mountain of God. And on the way, he said to God, I'm finished. My work is done. Jezebel plans to kill me. I'm finished here. I'm no better than my fathers. Just let me die. But then God sends an angel and feeds him. Gives him water to drink in that desert as he sleeps under the broom tree. And then he gets up and he goes again. God feeds him. And then he spends 40 days on that food of the angels and the water of the angel's hand. And he arrives at the mountain of God. He goes into a cave. And the Lord meets him. I'll read it for you. This is 1 Kings 19. I'll begin in verse 11. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Oh, how long I've been waiting for God to come and pass by and bring the healing revival that this land so desperately needs I want God to come. I want Jesus to come. I want the spirit of God to be released. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, put your prophets to death with a sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. And then he gives him very specific directions about crowning Hazel, king over Aram, of anointing Jehu, of anointing Elijah, Elisha, who will serve as a prophet. And then the Lord said, Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and all whose mouths have not kissed him. Now, Elijah wants out. And you know the story. God is going to send a, a chariot taxi to pick him up and take him straight to heaven, where he will meet God on the mountain of God in another place. So, to show you how eager he is to go, he doesn't follow the one, two, three of God's orders. Instead, he goes directly to find Elisha. Now, just a note of interest. It took... It took Elijah 20 years to complete all of his tasks as God kept giving them to him. And after 20 years, he is taken up in that whirlwind taxi to heaven. But he goes first to Elisha. And Elisha was a young man from a very wealthy family they had 12 yoke of oxen, that is 24 oxen, and they were plowing, and he was driving the 12th pair. He was the clean-up man at the end to make sure that everyone was doing what they were supposed to do. Elisha is plowing, and he sees a man approaching, and now does he know who Elijah is? I don't know, but probably he does. Elijah comes up to him and throws his cloak around him. Over his shoulders, he throws the cloak. Then Elijah takes the cloak and he walks away. Doesn't say a word. Elisha knows that he's just been called to become a follower of Elijah and so he says calling after him let me kiss my father and my mother goodbye he said and then I'll come with you and Elijah answers the most stunning answer go back Go back to your oxen where you're plowing. What have I done to you? In other words, Elijah knows the difference between his desire and God's desire. If this young man, Elisha, is going to come and follow Elijah, it is going to have to be his own choice. Elijah's not going to try to sweet talk him. He's not going to explain to him all of the benefits of being the prophet of God. He's not going to try to tell him, here's what you need to do to be a prophet. No, he says, what have I done to you? In other words, I'm not responsible for you. You are responsible to God for the decision you make. I am going to go on. I'm going to follow the Lord God of heaven. I'm going to do what he's told me to do. And I am not responsible for your response to that call. You are responsible before God. Now, I want to just say to you, please, we are each faced with constant choices about how we will spend our time how we will spend our money, how we will spend our relationship time, what we will say and what we will do. I am responsible for the choices that I make. But it is vital that I understand that every choice that I make, I make before the God of heaven. Now, some of you who are listening to this broadcast have made bad decision after bad decision. You have been swept away time after time after time with the alcohol, with the tobacco, with the fornication, with the pornography. You've been swept away time after time with your entertainment. The Holy Spirit has spoken to your heart and said, turn that off. Don't go there. Don't do this. You have known. You have had to make a decision. And many times you know and God knows. And the cloud of witnesses spoken of in the scriptures, they know what decision you've made. Now, I'll be very frank with you. The hardest part of my journey has been to be clear that when I make a decision, I am responsible for the result of that decision. I'm not a victim. I'm not entitled No one owes me anything. I am responsible for my life. I am responsible for what I do. It seems to me that one of the first things we must learn as we grow up and become men and women is that we stop blaming mom and dad. We stop blaming brother or sister. We stop blaming other people for how our life is now progressing, and we take full responsibility before God for the destruction that has gone on in our bodies, in our minds, in our souls. And there must finally be a time when we come before God and in absolute humility and honesty, we confess, I made that decision out of the lust of my heart. I made that decision to say this or to do that, to go here, to go there, I made that decision out of the inner part of my heart that always wants to turn toward the darkness. And at some point, perhaps in the early morning hours, the Holy Spirit begins to speak to us and say, you know what you are doing. You know what your mind is thinking. And you become very conscious and repentant. But then, as the morning sun lights the day, you go back to your same old, same old. And you are very stingy with God about how you're going to spend your time and energy and money. You're very stingy with God in the way you walk with him or do not walk with him. You get enraged by others who have the blessing of God and who confront you with your wicked behavior. Your heart is filled with rage. When I was a boy, I did not ask my mother and my father to treat me in a certain way. They had the authority and the power to treat me any way they chose. But when I became a man, 1 Corinthians 13, I put away childish ways. And I recognize that I was responsible for what I did with my own life. That no one forced me to go here or there to live in this place or in that place. But some of you are so comfortable in the place where you are, even though you know it is not a safe place. You are so stirred in your heart with fear that you will not make the decision to move forward to what God is calling you to. The young woman who was on her face pleading with God that he would sanctify her through and through And she just could not seem to get through. There was still a block in her heart. She knew she could not be saved if that block were not removed. So, meeting after meeting, she would go and weep before the Lord and say, Lord, I have to change. I have to surrender. And finally, she said to the pastor, I'm ready now. The next time I'm going to surrender. And so she did. And she was filled with the glory of God, with peace and joy, shouting praises to his name because she knew she was through with sin, with self. And she went to the pastor and she said, Pastor, I had the most amazing experience as soon as I totally surrendered. I saw a banner. It said Fiji. And below the banner were little children reaching out their hands toward me. Inviting me to come. And the pastor said, God is calling you to be a missionary to Fiji. Will you go? And immediately she said, yes, I will go. She had no money. She had no way to get to Fiji. But God opened the way. She gave up the idea of being married. She gave up the idea of having her own children because God had called her to a place of service at great personal sacrifice. So she went to a missionary organization. They received her. They put her in language training. And in about a year a man stepped forward and said, I will pay your way to the mission field. And off she went to the Fiji Islands to teach little children about Jesus. She was there in active service for 16 years. And then the Lord called her home. we all have choices that we must make. And those choices will sometimes mean we give up our normal life. For me to do what God has called me to do has meant a great separation in my life from many people that I dearly love. It's caused me to be unable to move to a geographic location that i would enjoy living in i would love to live in colorado or wyoming i am a man of the mountains i was born in denver i i love the west i was raised in a country of farming hoeing the corn But here I am in the middle of the city of the capital of America, Washington, D.C. I've not wanted to be here. It's been a great struggle until I finally made the decision, okay, I'll go. I'll be there. I'll spend my life there. I've tried to leave several times, and every time I've tried to leave, the Lord has said, stop. I called you to minister in Washington, D.C. Okay. Here's a country boy in the big city. I have been spectacularly unsuccessful in the world's eyes. But I don't judge by the world's standards. I have been obedient to Jesus. I have done and am doing what he's asked me to do. Are you? Are you doing what Jesus has asked you to do? Or do you even have any concept of, Have you made every decision based on your best ability and your best knowledge, but you have never come to the end of yourself and said, okay, I surrender everything now to Jesus. I will no longer make any provision for myself. I will trust Jesus' provision for me. I will go where he sends me. I will work where he sends me. I will trust him in every aspect of my life. I will only receive what Jesus Christ gives to me. Have you made that decision? No, in this case, Elijah says, go back. What have I done to you? I would say the same thing to you today. Go back. See mom and dad. Do whatever your heart finds to do. But be responsible to God for the decision you make. Now I've entitled this broadcast today Elijah Elijah, the Incredible Shrinking Man. Why? Well, it says, Elisha left him, this is 1 Kings 19, verse 21, and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and become his attendant. Let's break this down. The first thing he did was go back and tell his mom and dad goodbye. He burned the plowing equipment, the yoke, killed the oxen. What was he doing? He was burning his bridge. He was saying, I'm no longer going to farm. I am going to go follow. The prophet Elijah. He burned his bridge. Some of you have said, I will follow the Lord, but I'm going to make sure that I have a way out in case he doesn't give me enough money. I've heard pastors say, You know, I'd like to be a full time pastor, but I don't have enough money to do that. Oh, I forgot, you're responsible for the money now, right? No, I thought God was responsible to pay for what he ordered. If he tells you to go get a job, you go get a job. But if he doesn't tell you to go get a job, you stay faithful, you wait before God, even if you end up homeless, as I did. You trust the word of the Lord. Don't tell me I'm working a job and being a part-time pastor because I can't afford to live on what the church wants to pay me, or I can't afford to live without an income. I watched as my savings disappeared, as my retirement was taken. I watched as my car was repoed. I watched as I lost everything I possessed. And then God stepped in, and he picked me up, and he's carried me ever since, with no salary. If you think that you have to carry yourself, you don't yet understand who Jesus is and what he's about. Don't tell me you have to work that job, or this job, or earn this amount of money. Don't tell me that, not if you're a follower of Jesus. Well, pastor, God helps those who help themselves. No, he doesn't. He lets those who help themselves continue to help themselves while he stands back like he did with Esau and does not bless them. Do you have a heart like Esau, or do you have a heart like Cain? And you want to be stingy with God? So we find the first thing he does he goes back to his parents to tell them goodbye, and he burns his bridges. Now, he sets out, it says, to follow Elijah. That word in the Hebrew, to follow, means literally that. It means to walk behind Elijah. Now, this is a young man who's coming from a very wealthy family, but he's burned his bridge. And now he walks out without the wealth of his family. He walks out with nothing but the clothes on his back. And he walks behind Elijah. He doesn't walk beside him. He walks behind him. You see, we always want to walk ahead or we want to walk beside. No, walk behind Jesus walk behind that person God has called you to serve don't walk beside them walk behind them humble your heart shrink become small in your own eyes become unimportant in your own eyes forget your anger he didn't treat me right he didn't give me the the credit i was due He thinks I'm nothing. Well, please think yourself nothing. Reduce yourself in the eyes of God. Reduce yourself in the eyes of others. You don't have to be big. You're called to follow, not to lead. For 20 years, Elisha follows Elijah. And became his attendant, or became his servant. And in another part of Scripture, we learn that he was the one they said who poured the water out on Elijah's hands. So, in other words, he's the one who is cooking the meals and fixing the campsite. He's the one who is taking care of of the servant jobs. Today we have many prophets in the land. Most of those prophets that I've listened to have no concept of what it means to follow. No, they're big, they're leading, they're they're up front saying these wonderful things about oh this is what God is doing. Oh forget it. That's not the way of the Lord. That's not what God has called you to. He's called you and he's called me to become, may I say it, like John the Baptist saying, he must increase and I must decrease. Jesus must increase and I must decrease. I must decrease in the strength of my opinions. I must decrease in the bitterness of my heart, in the anger, in the defensiveness, in the entitlement. I must decrease. I must be the incredible shrinking man or woman. I must become as small as a little worm. I must lose my self-importance. I must lose my right to be somebody. I must be reduced before I can be of service to the Almighty God. Today, are you willing to be reduced? Are you willing to lay it all on the line? to say goodbye to your past, to burn your bridges and go do what God has called you to do. That's a decision. And that decision will be made a thousand times through the day as you decide where you will go and what you will do and who you will talk with whom you will speak with. You're going to have to decide what you will watch and what you will not watch, what you will listen to and what you will turn off, what will feed the ego of your heart, the pride and the the desire of your flesh. You must decide And you can't say, Pastor Ray told me, so I'm going to do this. What have I done to you? I'm nobody. You have to take it up with Jesus. You know in your heart what decisions you've been making. You know in your heart the pride of your heart. You know whether you have demanded the right to be whomever you choose to be rather than who God chose you to be. And many of you have made the wrong decision so many times that today you don't even begin to understand how to make the right choice. And it's going to take some decompression time where you shut everything and everybody out and shut everything down and just get in the presence of God. And lay on your face and weep over your sin and say, oh God, forgive me. The Lord finally came to me sometime in the past, some years ago. And he very kindly said to me, I have forgiven all of your sin. And all I could do was weep because I'd been crying out to him over the sin of pride and arrogance, the sin of going my own way and providing for myself what I desired. All I could say was, Lord, forgive me. And I needed that word from the Lord. I have forgiven all of your sin. And all I could do was weep. I owe no man anything. I am in debt to no man except to the man Jesus. And to him I owe everything. I don't provide for myself, I wait upon the Lord. I don't go where I want to go, even though it makes no sense to go where he's sending me. I do what he tells me to do, even when there is no production out of what I have done. When there are no positive results, I continue to do what he's told me to do. I have in every way prayed, Lord, reduce me. Make me a shrinking man. You must become greater and I must become much less. Well, we're out of time for this broadcast. You have some choices to make. will you obey the word of the Lord or will you make your own choices and go your own way? I want to thank those of you who have been so kindly giving that we could pay for the radio bill for this month. We're coming to the last days. There are many of you I've not heard from I just ask Lord open the way for this broadcast you can write to me at Pastor Ray Greenley, National Prayer Chapel Post Office Box 2346 Woodbridge, Virginia 22195 or go to our webpage nationalprayerchapel.com national prayerchapel.com you can give online or you can just write to me at National Prayer Chapel Post Office Box 2346 Woodbridge, Virginia 22195 God bless you my brother my sister I love you praying for each one of you I'll talk to you soon